Greetings, this is Bob Ponderelli, co-host with Mike Sherrick of Into the Gap Radio, which airs Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock Central on 1590 AM and 95.9 FM Chicago. This is the podcast version of our show where you'll get highlights of our most recent episode. We also do an Into the Gap unfiltered podcast, and I'll have more details about that later in the episode. Okay, let's get started. Here's my co-host, Mike Sherrick. We got our guest, Rollo Tomasi, is with us. Hey, Rollo, how you doing, man? Hey, hey, good morning here. I guess good afternoon there. Yeah, Uh-oh. welcome back. Yeah. Bob's got some great documentation of existing conditions we're going to start out with. Uh, what do you got there for us, big guy? Well, I've got uh, just some commentary, you know, so... Uh, You're going to talk about the dollar store and how <laughs> and the unjustness of the dollar store where the young man was holding up the dollar store at the gunpoint? Did you hear about that, Rollo? No, no, no. So was some, this in Chicago? Some, some where guy, was this? No, no, no it's no, in Indianapolis. Guy, in, I okay. guess it was in Indianapolis. Some guy walks into a, a dollar store... Uh, with a hoodie and a gun tucked into his pants. And as he goes to pull the gun out to the guy to rob the guy at the counter, mm-hmm. the guy at the counter immediately jumps into action, pulls a gun out of his pants and points it at the guy. And the, as the guy goes to raise the, you know, he shoots the guy. And mm-hmm. then he, you know, puts several into him. Mm-hmm. And he's now extinct. The, yeah. yeah, he's gone. And now his family members are saying it's not fair that the guy it's behind not the fair counter that the guy bought a gun. <laughs> So, but the other guy actually did have the gun, though, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I'll say it was he was definitely had an intent to at least, you know, armed robbery. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah the whole got, thing is the whole thing is a bad guy. Film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so but it's unfair, <laughs> right? It's unfair for you to save your own life. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and actually, that there's a lot there. What you just said, by the way, mm-hmm. because I've I've been saying number one. You know, when does personal responsibility become like a red flag for a political position on the one hand? And on the other hand, if you look at what's been going on with this extinction protocol garbage and all these other crazy people who have lost Mm -hmm. their capacity for rational thought or behavior uh, are basically in a certain sense saying, you know what, when do we get to a point where we'll just let's all kill ourselves and save the planet. Yeah. Let's just save the planet. Let's extinct ourselves. You know, it's funny. There's a, there is actually a group of people and I want to say that they are called anti-natalists and (laughs) they believe that human beings should no longer have children because we're ruining the planet and we owe it to the planet that we should (laughs) never like actually have babies. Exactly. Did you guys see the, um, the video? Uh, I think it was in Ontario or or might've been in, I think it might've been in Canada or something, but it was one of these, uh, uh, protests where the protesters go and they stretch themselves across oh, yeah. the crosswalk with yeah. the, with a banner and the guy jumps out of the car and, yeah. and grabs the banner and throws it and just like is about to get hostile. Actually, it does get hostile with the guy that was doing the filming. Yeah, but just grabbed it and just and said, you know, get out of the way. We got work. You know, we, we yeah. don't have time for your shenanigans. Basically, get a job. Yeah, get a job pretty much. And oh and the guy's in scrubs too. So it's yeah. and, and, you know, my wife is a medical professional and I know like. There are people like who rely on professionals like EMTs and things yeah. like that to save to save lives, and they don't have time for this kind of stuff. Right, and I get it. I get why they would get all get very angry. Yeah, I wish I could just get a live feed of all the insanity that goes on in in Canada every day. Oh, okay. So here's a. I just want to run into this top story <laughs> okay. because it, so Mike and I had you know we have these conversations, and I Mike and I had a good one this morning. I, I just made some notes on the show, so a couple of things, uh, little tidbits here. So. Look, Mike and I are coaches. We're friends. We're business partners, right? Mm-hmm. And we we, mean, we we manage an awful lot together, and we manage to get through it, and without you know beating ourselves on the head either as individuals or to each other. And so, what we really got this morning is this whole idea of brotherhood, 
And the idea of a real brother is, is that you can take the heat, own up to what you did or didn't do, uh, recover, okay, allow yourself to be accountable, recommit versus screw you and walk away. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, and you do this and it's, it's something that you do with everything in your life. And so we can't call ourselves brothers if we're not willing to answer the call for truth. And we're mm-hmm. all sinners in some way. We've all got our faults, right? But the, the thing that's worthy of comparison and contrast, which is the reason for what well, Mike and I are in dialogue or having discourse or in an inquiry, is this whole idea of comparison and contrast relative to scale. You know, we're all doing the nasty here in some way in our life. And uh, I don't know why I'm saying this. I guess I'm saying it a little bit to cover some of the the, you know, manosphere stuff we discussed on other shows and just, you know, kind of create a context for that. Then I'm going to just jump into some new stuff. So having said that, mm-hmm. New York Times Voters Guide, October 11th, they're asking the question, does anybody deserve to have a billion dollars? <laughs> Which is... Deserve. Yeah. yeah. Th- does anybody deserve to have a oh billion dollars? And then I think you posted this one, I, Let's you, ask Mackenzie Bezos that same question. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so you, I, I don't know if you posted this or not, because I. Uh, yeah, what I've did she walk away you. with? Thirty-three billion, I think, there is what go. it was. Thirty-three oh. billion dollars for nice. being married for a to the settlement. right person. Thirty-three billion dollars yeah. settlement. Well, that's, you know, it's funny. Is that's the uh, that's the story that we're supposed to be distracted from. Um, if you look at the the top paid women, like uh, they, I think it was Fortune five hundred, Fortune mm-hmm. magazine did a an expose on all like the very powerful women, mm-hmm. and I think of the sixty or so that they they interviewed or they did a, a you know a background on, mm-hmm. I think ninety percent of them earn their money either through divorce or through an inheritance. That's mm-hmm. how they came into their money. There you go. Yeah. So here's the story, and again, like I said, I don't know if you posted this or not. I just found it, you know, in my Twitter searching, and so here it is. Introducing Gentlemen's Quarterly New Masculinity Issue, right? Mm-hmm. Star- right. Starring this this yeah. entity called Feral, which is more yeah. of an object than a human, I guess, in many respects, in certain sense. And I mean, I'll go into that on another show. But anyway, so it says here, this is the editor, Will Welch, says mas- masculinity is changing and change is good. Now listen to this. Back in September of last year, when I found out that I would be the editor of GQ, most people said it was amazing. Congratulations. Blah, blah, blah. Hell of a time to be in charge of a men's magazine. It was a hardcore thing to say, blah, 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 blah. He says, uh, but some exceedingly brave people, many of whom were the victims of that unequal, violent, and discriminatory, discriminatory culture itself, were in the process of showing everyone the plain truth. And I'm, I'm just going to the stuff that I highlighted here. Mm-hmm. It's And again, my I, I have a saying every week. Rollo that I kind of bring to the show stuff that pops up and my saying this week is willful ignorance leads to ideological subversion. So mm-hmm. if you are purposely avoiding being educated, if you are purposely avoiding creating some basis for yourself as a, 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 a to grow, to to learn, to expand yourself, you're going to become a victim sooner or later. Somebody's going to stick it to you. Mm-hmm. So you know we get subverted, and this is. This is so subversive. It's just shocking. So I'm just going to be as quick as possible here. That's fine. Checking my time. Uh, one way we've addressed it is by making a magazine that isn't really trying to be exclusively for or about men at all. In mm-hmm. fact, for many years is now. Is what we're saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. In, for, in fact, for many years now, one of the key principles of GQ is that if we tell stories that excite our own smart, voracious, politically and socially engaged team, 
we will connect with a smart, engaged, diverse, and gender non-specific audience. Oh, for- which means GQ isn't targeting a conventional demographic at all. We're just doing our own specific GQ thing, only our own specific GQ way, and we trust that all kinds of people will relate and engage. Now, this, the next mm. one is the best, most juiciest one. And I'm, I, I don't know if I have time to read the rest that I highlighted. This even applies to how we approach the seemingly very gender topic of men's fashion. What we've been trying to do with our fashion storytelling this year is position it in a way that makes it exciting and relevant to anyone with an interest in menswear culture rather than creating a guide that applies only to people who wear men's clothes. And he concludes this, it's a subtle but important shift. Oh, you Mm. think? Mm. And so the uneducated mind in this whole article here, if you're not looking for it, it'll go right past you. Meaning you'll be like, oh, because men are adaptable, as you said before, right? Yeah. We adapt. They're, they're not specific. They're they're fluid. You know, that's the thing is when you see stuff like this, it goes back to the concept that gender is a social construct. And that is one illustration or one aspect of what's called social constructionism. And that's exactly. where we're at, I think, uh, at least in Western culture right now, because yeah. it. Uh, to, to have a belief in like, say the blank slate or mm-hmm. what I call equalism is mm-hmm. this, uh, this idea that everybody is the same and mm-hmm. just our physiques and our, you know, whatever the plumbing is for us makes no difference. And there's 68 right. different genders and, right. and, and all of this other stuff that goes along with, along with that, but it's rooted really in this, in what's called the blank slate, which has been, you know, it, up to now, to this point, I think we've been, uh, we've been clinging to this as a society. It's, it's been disproven. Men and women are yeah. different. There are biological differences. There are gender differences. There are sexual differences. There are differences in our way that we There work, are fundamental we, differences in the way we're wired and the way we're yeah, put together. That, that we work. So, <laughs> so behavioral what, attributes. Yeah. yeah. So when I see stuff like this, all this is, is it's, it is assuming a truth. It's assuming that social constructionism is already valid and it is already some like it's something we should always already recognize and if we're not recognizing it then we're bad people for recognizing it and i think that um we need to get past this this denialism of human nature to the point where we have to i'm sorry we're gonna have to take a break and and when we get back i want to continue with this and what i really want to look at is i want to look at how this relates to gender wars and also how this relates to male feminism because i think that's at the core of what we're talking about Bob Pontarelli here, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll have more Into the Gap episode highlights after a short break. Into the Gap is on a quest for bringing self-knowledge right up against the glass of the great display window of life. We're also on a quest for advertisers to support this podcast, our weekly radio show, and our unfiltered podcast. If you'd like to get more information and inquire about rates, please contact me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. Greetings, this is Bob Pontarelli of Into the Gap, and we're really psyched to have the High PSI company sponsoring our show. High PSI was founded in 1976 and provides the industrial cleaning industry's finest pressure washers and cleaners. They also represent brands like Hotsey, Alcoda, and Aladdin, as well as single operator fleet wash systems. You can access their services and a very competent, dedicated staff through their website at highpsi.com, or just give them a call at 800-666-3900. This is Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our radio show, which airs every Saturday at 1 o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM. We also recently introduced the Into the Gap Unfiltered podcast, 
where we power wash the dingleberries of negativity hiding out in all those deep blue ripples that too often slow us down and keep us down. Find it, rate it, and subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Our latest episodes are also available on SoundCloud at Into the Gap Media and our website, intothegapmedia.com. Okay, back to the show now. Here's Mike. Well, before we get started with you, uh, Bob had something you want to jump in on. Well, Mike and I have both, how Mike met many years ago was through uh, personal development training, uh, which we're not going to talk about necessarily that company, but the basic idea is that reality is a social construction founded in language and held in place by all of us, right? So Mm -hmm. our reality exists by agreement according to that school of thought. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to just throw that out there to give a little bit more, uh, you know, support for what you said about social constructionism. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the things that we there, there's a really great book by Dr. Stephen Pinker. It's called The Blank Slate, and it's mm-hmm. it's uh, The Blank Slate, a modern uh, denial of uh, modern denialism of human nature is what the what the book is titled. Yeah. And it's a really great read because I think we're at a point right now in our understanding about human nature to know better than that everything is just a social construct. There are, there are mental firmware that we evolved into over the course of, you know, hundred thousand years living in, you know, our ancestral tribal past that still today hangs with us. That is still a part of us right now that the way that we think the, the reason why we, uh, you know, men have testosterone and women have estrogen and that kind of stuff. What, what those proclivities are that we have that are innate to us has to be recognized right now and we're still we're in this denialism that it has no influence whatsoever so it's it's i'm not saying that like social influence isn't important that we don't learn from socialism but uh, social ideas you know yeah. social learning sure. but um but that it's more important to understand that we have innate natural proclivities as men and as women um that that really it's what I call mental firmware. We have a we have a physical body that's our hardware. We have these innate proclivities that are sort of part of our firmware that we're born with, mm-hmm. so that we're like we're natural. We we're like like boys can throw a ball differently. Like when we, that's why when we say like a boy when a, a girl throws like a girl, that's because because girls don't have that proclivity. Right. We teach them to do that. That's social learning, but they don't come out of the womb knowing how to do that like a boy does. Right. There's other, there's, and that's just one really easy illustration. So that's the firmware. And then there's the software and the software is of course our social and our learning side. So what social constructionism says is that it's all software. It's all, it's all yeah, everything, right. everything you know is nothing but uh, what, what you learned or society is nebulous society taught you uh, what, what should be considered beautiful or why you're attracted. You to know, them. Rallo, when you bring this up, man, what I'm, what I'm really getting from this is all the discomfort and all the upset and all the unsurety and all the confusion, confusion that exists mm-hmm. out there really stems from this social what do you call Bob social conditioning it's 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 social construction social constructionism Mm -hmm. yeah that is untrue and so someone is questioning themselves and the feedback they get is well you got to be this way or you got to be this way you know what it's not that social constructionism is untrue and I got something I want to throw out at you Rollo Mm -hmm. you know because right now behind the background behind all this right is this obviously technocracy and then of course there's all this confusion that's gender confusion all these things that are being thrown at us like heaping upon us every day right and it's almost like we're being forced into this precondition for a transhuman future where you know Mm -hmm. hey hey rollo 
you know, like artificial the ho- wombs. Yeah, the, the, the hormones. <laughs> forget the hormones. We can. We have an app for that. You know, forget your. Wow. Forget the constitution that you've been that you were born with, because now we're going to create a human machine interface that will allow mm. you to transcend and go beyond these mm. mere mortal. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the idea that our, our free will and our, our human, like, because we have risen above our evolution or we've risen above our physical condition or whatever, that we should in some way be able to, to alter, you know, our, our future as human beings. Now here's, here's a really scary thought right now um, in China, they have created designer babies. They're they're doing designer baby humans. If you want blue eyes, no problem. You want your kid if to you're look. If you're Chinese however, and you want you blue wanna, eyes, you can get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's their well, their ultimately, they're, yeah. They're doing they're doing genetic engineering right now, and they they of course there's you know there's ethicists here in the United States. I won't they they're supposed to not be doing that, but um, technically you can choose the sex of the child. You can choose. Um, you know, uh, hair color, that kind of stuff. Height would be another one. I think that they're probably going to alter, but Mm -hmm. what, what we're seeing right now is that it, I I think that because we have this technology, you're going to see that ideology is going to influence the human condition, like the physical human condition. So if we say, well, it's more advantageous to be a blonde haired, blue eyed, uh, six foot tall woman, we can do that now. And we say, okay, well, that's clearly that's what everybody wants to be. So we can make more money doing that. So we're going to give you designer babies that are exactly like this. Yeah. Do you so know? it's not, it's not an evolution that's built on uh, our, you know, our, our environment. It's built on our ideology right mm-hmm. now. And I think that's a really kind of a dangerous place. This, this is really, really disturbing because, <laughs> at, because no, at the, you better know, believe yeah, it, it is, is baby, <laughs> because at the core of it, horrifying. The, at the core of it is dissatisfaction with oneself, right? Well, and dissatisfaction with the human condition. It's worse than that. It's actually oh. it's actually designed to have you transcend your humanity and give you godlike powers. That that's that's how I see it. I see it as mm-hmm. it's not that oh I'm dissatisfied with myself. It's basically a kind of personal totalitarianism. In mm-hmm. a certain sense, because it says I can control everything. I can control my environment. I control. I can control my oh, sexuality. That's a perversion of reality. I can control. Unbelievable. And, and ultimately, it's it to me, it's a kind of neo-totalitarianism in a certain sense. You know. Well, and then what happens? Well, I think what you're going to see in the future, as this becomes a little bit more common, I, once we get to the point where it's a normal idea for us to say, oh, okay, you, you're you a couple, you want to have babies. It doesn't matter whether you're a heterosexual couple or a gay couple, whatever. Oh, doesn't yeah. make, you don't even have to be a couple. We can just simply clone somebody if you'd like to do, you know, we have an, that's why I was joking about oh artificial wombs and things like that. Right. Um, so the you next good gen, like future generations are going to be the result of the ideologies of today because we're going to say, well, it, I wanted a baby who's going to be, you know, blonde haired and blue eye. I want a baby who's going to be dark haired and this color. I want Right. A baby that's going to be like this and so it's all based on whoever is the the progenitor i guess the ideology of that progenitor saying i want to make a child like this exist in the world whether or not that child has you know uh the capacity to exist in a hostile you know world and like we, we are the result right now of our environment of, of life on planet earth mm-hmm. and how we were we evolved as a result of adaptations to that. Now we're taking 
we're taking humankind out of that equation and we're saying our ideology and the way we believe is correct and we're, we want a generation of people based on that ideology. Yeah, and I'm um, am I so look the getting other deep thing today, is, man. Getting real deep. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it, it like in the it's all it also deals with the whole idea of work, like the whole idea that it takes time to get good at something, mm-hmm. right? It takes time oh, yeah. to learn who you are. It takes time to find your voice. It takes time to understand what your to strengths and mastery. weaknesses are. Yeah. Yes, and so it's almost like this whole idea which you could say was presaged by the Matrix film where, oh no, we could put this little thing in the back of your head here and uh, we're going to, you're going to be able to learn Kung Fu in 10 seconds. I know Kung Fu. And master. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) And and not surprisingly, (laughs) you know, what did the the brothers that made the movie change their sexes after they made the movie? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, what the heck? Now they're sisters. Yeah, now they're sisters. So now they're sisters. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they're making a new. They're making actually a, a fourth movie right now, and Keanu Reeves and uh, the woman who played Trinity is going to be in it as well. Oh, yeah. really? That'll be interesting to see how they change things up um, according to the narratives of this generation. Because remember, all that stuff was written in like the mid '90s. Yeah. Because I think the first movie came out in like '97. I think so. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe a little bit later than that, but yeah, right around that. And I actually mm-hmm. I actually know someone that had a dinner, uh, like a four hour dinner, with the author of the book that became mm-hmm. the f- the movie. Oh, and wow, it's man. a woman, actually. Well, I, I like I think you know one of the reasons why we use matrix uh, euphemisms in the manosphere is because it spoke to a lot of uh, really philosophical ideas mm-hmm. that came out in in the movie there's a lot that's explored in there a lot of people say well yeah it's about free will and it's about this or it's about that it's like no it's about all of that stuff it's it's about like directing ourselves like uh you know like you talk about transhumanism is like basically Mm -hmm. rising above the uh evolutionary process that um that that put us in place so that we could understand ourselves and we could like, you know, plot the human genome and we could do genetic engineering and we can, you know, hack our brains or we can, uh, we can become cyborgs or whatever you want to call it. There, there's way, you don't even, I, I think that that's even sort of an archaic idea, like putting like, like people were saying like, uh, oh yeah, when you put like the, the data chip in your hand, it's going to be the mark of the beast, right? You won't be able to buy or sell because you don't have that little, you haven't been chipped or something. And I'm, I was think, thinking, you know what, you won't even need that. that. That's an old, archaic way of thinking because right now in China, if you want to make purchases, they will just do facial recognition on you and they yeah. say, yeah, you're who you say you are. You can have access to your bank account and you can either buy or sell or whatever it is that you want to do because we don't, they don't even need to do that. There's no point in having, having the quote-unquote mark of the beast they have that in some air, airports you don't now. need to do it yeah you don't even need that anymore and yeah. uh so yeah i mean with with uh, our artificial intelligence with uh genetic engineering uh, i mean we're headed for a real where we're headed i think the technology is outpacing our ideology yeah it's you know, we can't think about things in a way that that responds uh fast enough but also efficiently enough and and you know whether you want to call it ethically or you want to call it efficiency um we we're still we're still human beings that are the results of a hundred thousand years of evolution and we're still trying to figure this stuff out we've had you here a a few times and we've never specifically talked about the gender wars and and Mm -hmm. 
Uh, having been labeled a sexist this week, I'd like to... Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I, well, that's kind of what I thought. I, I think I'm doing something right, you're, right? You're doing it right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I would love to uh, get in a conversation about that. And, and what exactly is the gender wars? Because I've right, heard well, this in, for about mm-hmm. a year now, and I'm not sure I know what it is. Okay. Well, I've been actually about this time last year, I was at a convention and I was asked to deliver a speech called the State of the Manosphere Address. And in that, um, one of the things I kind of foreshadowed in that Mm -hmm. uh, talk was the idea that we actually at that time, we were still in a ideological kind of cold war when we we've, we hear this all the time with, with respect to like ideologies where it's like mm-hmm. you know there's sort of this le- leftist liberal left versus this conservative right yeah and that we that there's this uh, coming civil war but some people have prognosticated that there is that we're already in that civil war it's just an, a war of ideas and it's mm-hmm. a war it's like kind of a cold war yeah and i think that as part of that um we also are in a gender war that is a reflection of that that uh, that ideological war that's going on. So, um, so I kind of I kind of hit on that. I think I've talked about this before, where um, the the Trump election with yeah. uh, you know back in 2016 with uh, with Hillary was not so much a competition between Donald Trump versus Hillary as it was sort of the Gestalt masculine yes. versus yes. the Gestalt feminine. Yeah, and so. As a result of that, um, I mean, even today we talk about uh, Trump derangement sy- syndrome, and we talk about uh, you know this, like I said, this ideological uh, cold war. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that is emphasizing this idea for the upcoming election that um, that the future is female, yeah. or that we we need to like the, it's it's our it's in our moral. Uh, benefit to uh to in some way lift up women and to make sure to ensure that it's her turn next that we have a woman in office who's going to defeat this evil uh gestalt masculine hyper masculine toxic masculine guy who represents all of that and so and i was right about this because the first thing that happened in in january of this year is we get the APA, which is the American Psychological Association, ruling that uh, right. traditional masculinity is a is a disease. It's a, a, yeah. a psychological, a personality right. disorder. Right. Um, and then we get the Gillette commercial that comes oh right after God. that, which was uh, I, you guys have probably talked about this oh. before about uh, the infamous Gillette commercial where we're going to shame men and tell them they're just bad for being men and they need yeah. to do better. And of course, when I when you look into who did that actual commercial, it wasn't even a commercial. It's what I call feminist agitation. Prop. Um, they hired a militant feminist to be the director of that of that commercial, thinking that propaganda. that was going to be a good idea. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, somebody put money on that and said, "This is a good idea." So you see that you see something like Captain Marvel is a big deal. Like Marvel, uh, Marvel Studios is is really leaning heavy towards the female, strong, independent female character lead, which we've had for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But we're led to believe that women are these this oppressed class and we, we, we don't pay enough attention or we don't get enough of them into, into Silicon Valley. We don't get enough of them in STEM fields. We don't get, it's, it's this idea that we need to change the get the game to better suit um, women's interests or to, to get more women into coding. And we, we want to uh, alter the, uh, it's not about equality of opportunity. Now it's a quality of outcome and we need to yeah. rig the system so that we have this for some idea because we believe that 
if we do this, we'll live better lives. We'll have a better society. We'll yeah. have a better, and like as if we could find this equality. And there, I think really people would be surprised to hear this probably, but I don't believe in equality. I don't believe in an equality between the sexes right now because we aren't equals. To presume that we are, that we are equal presumes that we're living life in a vacuum. And it also presumes the blank slate as well, the blank yeah. slate equalism I'm talking about. Um, and so like men and women are different. We are complements to one another, yes. but we are not equals to one another. And yes, we can live a good balanced life together when we understand human nature. What, am I, what is my nature as a man? What is my nature as a woman? And how does that work out? There are strengths that I have that my wife does not have. It balances that out in a complementary fashion and yeah. vice versa. So to say that we, we need a more equal, uh, you know, gender equal society is, is to deny the fact that human beings are, you know, male and female are, are different. different. And so exactly. we're seeing this, what I call this gender cold war going on right now. And really what I think, I, I think we're kind of in, in 2020, you're going to definitely see this really exacerbated because I think what's happening right now is we want, you know, the, the, the social order that we, we are in right now really wants uh, a female president. They really want mm -hmm. to have that as being like sort of their little crowning achievement right now. And we see this gender war, not just in politics, but in religion. We see it in, uh, in uh, the, the workplace. Uh, we see it when it comes to, of course, we see it in the sexual marketplace. Um, we see it in all kinds of, uh, in every aspect really of, of our society, Western culture at least. Um, we, we see this pre-understanding that women should be strong and independent we need to lift them up and we need to we need to to promote their interests more than we need we need men to man down and we need women to man up or to woman up and it's going to get to the point i think by november of 2020 right before the election where we're going to be expected to believe that it is our moral imperative to vote for a female candidate that that's that men are so bad and the world is going to hell because of men we really need to get a woman in there and you should really vote for whoever whoever ends up being the female rollo do you know why we're going to win why is that why we're going to win because Right now, at this exact moment, you are not getting any pay money out of this conversation. Mike and I are not rolling in dough from this conversation. And the people that are pushing all this stuff have an entire economic infrastructure built underneath them that is predicated on that alligator being fed. And when we stop feeding that gator, that gator croaks. Mm -hmm. And that's why I believe this, this conversation Gillette. is... You know, Gillette lost, I think, anywhere between eight and twelve billion dollars in revenue, <laughs> because, and they're pointing directly to that, that to that commercial. So you've got when you've got big companies that like people will tell me like when I was when I was uh, talking about the Captain Marvel thing and how Disney and the the PR push behind that like you know the the movie was released on International Women's Day in March yeah. that's not a coincidence they Absolutely did that not. on purpose of course and and so and so when when you see uh, you know, Disney trying to sort of, uh, what, what did they do? They bought out Rotten Tomatoes just to make sure that it got a really super high rating. It was they like did? blatantly obvious that they did this. Yes. They bought so they do all this stuff. And people will say, well, but, but Disney is in the business of making money. Why mm -hmm. would they do something that would like hit them, you know, that would hit them in the pocketbook? And I'm like, they will do that because it is in their best long-term interests that 
that little girls believe that they can be a, a Disney princess, that they can be whatever it is. They, it's, it's what I call the femme empowerment narrative. And that's where I'm, I'm picking on Disney, of course, because they're the most easy one to, yeah, to, right. to pick on. But like you look at like any of the Disney movies like Moana or Mulan or, you know, any of the recent ones where there's a Disney princess or there's a female, there's always a female lead and the female lead always is, it's the same character in every single one of those. And that's what we teach little girls from well, the time Ronald, of five years old. We've got the distinction Disney dad, feminists. you know, but, go we've got the distinction Disney dad. It's a doofus guy. That's yeah. just, you know, he's a pull toy and he's just going to do whatever. Yeah. The whole he's, narrative that is, Disney have, it's disgusting. He is an accessory to a woman's reality. Yeah, that's what he is. Yeah, and it's it's and it and it's throughout all of the media, and and that's why this is you know I was not an activist in this. I was I was a guy <laughs> living a really nice life, and then I woke up, yeah. and all of a sudden this the the BS that goes on is just intolerable. Right. Mm-hmm. And listen, I am. I don't know. And you suddenly realize it's a battle worth fighting. Yeah. And I mean, for yeah. a lot of different reasons. And, and not it, just it's because just it's. And that's nice... why when I see. So, this thing about men and adaptability, right? Men from the time of Cain and Abel have turned on their brothers for their own self interest, you mm-hmm. know? And what I see is male feminists are the equivalent to the Cains of the biblical times because they're literally turning on their brothers for their mm-hmm. own self interest. And aligning with what they see is the social narrative, social construct that's going to serve them best. Well, I, I will, Repeat, I will tell you, best. I know you want to talk about um, male feminists here, and I will tell you what my take on male feminists is, is yeah. that it is a mating strategy for beta males. Um, <laughs> there you go. It's, it's it is definitely well, a beta it's, male it's, conversation. It's got a payoff. Yeah. It's got to pay. Uh, it's, it, it, well, they think it has a payoff because they because those men have been taught from a very early age that they need to be supportive. They first of all, that we teach our little boys as if they're defective girls right now. We we teach them that if they don't learn to be a girl or they don't yeah. learn in the same fashion that a girl does, that there's something wrong with them. We need to sedate them. We need to give them Adderall or whatever ADHD yeah. medicine that is popular right now. We need to find a way to punish that boy for being a boy and to make him believe that it is more advantageous for him to be a girl. Well, when a guy gets to be uh, you know, dating age, when he gets into his teens and he gets into his early 20s, he carries that over that it ne- you need to be, as a guy, you need to identify with the feminine. And the more you identify, the more supportive you are, the more you lift women up, the, the better the chances are that you will solve your reproductive problem. And so that becomes a mating strategy. So it's like, yeah, I want to be... Uh, uh, you know, Jordan Peterson calls these the, like the sneaky guy strategy yeah. or something like that. And I think it's a lot more than this because we're taught as boys that the more alike we are, the more women will will be attracted or endeared to us because we have we're, we're not like those other chauvinistic guys who don't who only yeah. think for themselves. We're, well, I'm on team woman. And so therefore, women should be attracted to guys that are on team woman. And then they realize that they, they are just simply you know, women don't refer like feminist women do not refer to men, fem, male feminists as men. They refer to them as allies. You'll see that in every in oh all of their God. all of their literature and like on the women's march, we we welcome women and their allies, and that's who they mean. They mean they mean human beings with a penis. That's what they mean. And, oh, uh, and so it's it's almost this d. It, it, it's what I call the remove the man 
Uh, yep. I, I've got I've got at least two different posts called "Remove the Man," and this is part of that gender war. So it's removing the letters M A N from the English no, language. No, I know. You're listening to Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our weekly radio show, which airs Saturdays at one o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM, Evanston, Chicago. We also recently introduced the Into the Gap Unfiltered podcast, where leadership, lifelong learning, and critical thinking are leveraged in the service of freedom and liberty. Find it, rate it, and subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. The latest episodes of that podcast, and this one too, are available on SoundCloud at Into the Gap Media and on our website, intothegapmedia.com. If you'd like to get in touch with questions, comments, or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, please email me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. Let's go back to the show now. Here's my partner, Mike Sherrick. Bravo. Uh, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, I forgot what we were left off. Oh, we were talking. Oh, I was talking about the, the male feminists. And- well, you were saying, oh. you were asking Rollo about what. What, oh yeah, what, what's the mindset? What's now? the mindset to have as we go forward? And mm-hmm. by the way, we're we're speaking with again Rollo Tomasi wrote the book The Rational Male and and several other books. And you know Rollo's going to be somebody that is coming on the show periodically to maintain this conversation sure. of 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 the mindset we're about to start discussing. I, I mm-hmm. would venture to say. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, we want to talk about like how do we go forward from here? How do we how do we counter this? Um, my approach has always been, you know, I've, I've written about this stuff. I've got three, three different books right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the main one, of course, is, uh, is the rational male. Um, I think that uh, it's great when we can get guys together, but I think it needs to be authentic. I think it yeah. uh, one of the one of the dangers, I think, about uh uh, you know, coming together as guys is we we're, we're self-conscious because we're taught to be self-conscious about this. We're taught to, like we, when guys come together just to, to, to talk about something, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like what women do. Like women, when they, when they converse, when they come together to talk, they do so and it's appropriate and it's okay for them to do so because women communicate differently than men do. Yeah. When men come together, there has to be sort of a purpose. There has to be a project. There has to be a car to fix or some fish to catch or there yeah. has to be something else. So I think that if we're going <laughs> to so talk true. about these issues, and I, I think that that's where it really has to start is in dialogue. Yeah. Um, if you've read my, if you've read the introduction to my first book, I, I go into that. One of the reasons I push the print version of my my first book is because mm-hmm. I think that there needs to be a conversation, and I think handing a guy a book and saying, "Hey, read this, check this out, tell me what you think," and then having that conversation with that guy, um, that's where it really starts. I've mm-hmm. always been a, a bottom up kind of guy yeah mm-hmm. so it's i you know i know that there's i know that there's other groups there's like MGTOWs, there's puas there's mras and mras of course are more like top down they want to change the laws so that we can be more equal and i'm like it that's i think all that does is make you a more perfected feminist i think really what we need to do is we need to start on the individual level like yeah. we're doing right here you know mm-hmm. each one tell one you know, Rallo, right. converse about it. it. It's really fascinating. You know, I, I work as a coach, an executive coach, and uh, mm-hmm. I uh, I have this tool that I use. It's it's a it's a pretty remarkable um, uh, profiling tool. You know, mm-hmm. and it looks at three different areas in someone's existence. It looks at how they communicate. It looks at at their their values, and it also looks mm-hmm. at kind of 
uh, their attributes and strengths, but also it shows up their their weaknesses. Not not weaknesses. Their their gaps and blind spots. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed, I've, I've probably administered this thing a thousand times, maybe. Uh, so I don't have a ten thousand hours in there, but I'm probably close to four. Mm-hmm. And and so what I'm starting to see is it's also predictable and predictive of self-awareness. And what I mm-hmm. think, and, and, and almost every time I do this, women will grade out more self-aware than men. Mm-hmm. Men are really strong in getting things done yeah. in their relationship to work, but in a relationship to really knowing themselves. And I think, does it make sense that the work to do is for men to actually start to understand who they are? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's of course is what a lot of people will say about my work is that they, oh, yeah. they wanted, they wanted to solve a problem. They wanted to say, how can I get a girlfriend? How can I <laughs> yeah. cure my sexlessness? How can I, right. and so they how go from that. that? <laughs> yeah. And so they go from, so they go from that being their, their point of interest mm-hmm. because they think that they're going to solve that problem. And I, and I always refer to like reproduction as a male problem that you are <laughs> looking for a solution to find. So there's strategies in which to do that. So most guys, when they get into the red pillar, they get into the manosphere, they're doing so because they're like, they want to learn to pick up or they want to learn yeah. how to go from being sexless to actually having a girlfriend. And they, along the way, they learn more about themselves yeah. and they learn because they're learning about the innate natures of men and women. And because they're learning about how men interact with women and what the, you know, the evolutionary principles that, that are, you know, build up to that, they learn more about themselves. And so that leads them to other things. Ronald, that leads you, them to, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, that's what I so loved about your book. So I read your book probably, I don't know, I, I've read it twice. So I read the last time, the first time you were on, and then yeah. I read it like two months before that. And what I loved about it What's it occurred as a journey of self-discovery, not only for you, but also for the readers that you had, because there's a lot of the blog posts and things mm-hmm. and people are asking you questions. Mm-hmm. So I really want to acknowledge you for the work you've done, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think that was the original intent of it. No, no, it wasn't. And I'll tell you the thing that's funny is like when I put this together, I was doing it because I was codifying these conversations that I've had for, well, now about 18 years. Um and really, yeah. and people have told me this, like whenever I'm doing a, um, whenever I'm doing a, a book signing or yeah. if I'm, I'm out meeting people, uh, I'm looking at their books and they're all like dog-eared and they're highlighted yeah. with three different colors and they're underlined in liner notes and everything Dude. else. And it was it then when That's I started seeing this. Yeah, it was then that I mine too. It was then that I realized that the book is really a living text. Yeah. it's not a book that you read once and put on your shelf and you're done with. No, at, at different parts of your life, at different points in your life, you'll return to certain parts of the book and you'll reread those things and underline them so that you're internalizing and absorbing that. Yeah. That because it's useful for you at that point. So if I get into something and you go, oh, that's great, whatever, you know, and then like later on, you know, a year later, you're experiencing something with a woman or you're experiencing something in life. Maybe it's not a woman. Maybe it's your family or your daughter or your female coworkers or something. You go back and you go back to read that. And so as a result, because it's a living text, um, you you end up, uh, like you said, learning more about yourself yeah. as a guy um, as things progress. You know, uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, say no. Well, I, I was going to say, I just have to tell you what a what a delight it is and what a sense of, I don't want to use the word certainty, but certainly 
I feel or I'm experience, I'm having an experience of being in the right place at the right time with the right people regarding this conversation mm-hmm. and what a terrific fit uh, I know Mike and I both have of you being on the show because it's sure. really, uh, again, I, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record on this either because I know you've heard it before, Rollo, but the fact is is that Mike and I were on a one-on-one, one-to-one dialogue, uh, a discourse, an inquiry together that then turned into this show. And now here we go. We had you say, hey, it's a one-on-one thing. It's a, you know, having a confab is not necessarily going to be the most effective as it is your individual experience shared. Well, self-discovery is pretty personal. It can only be done like one-on-one. You know? That's one of the reasons why I don't give prescriptions because I know everybody's yeah, story everybody's is different. different. Absolutely, I'm not. Right. I'm not, and I've said this before. I'm not in the business of making better men. I'm in the business of helping men make themselves better men. That's exactly so giving it is, them right. the tools. That's exactly from, it. from which to to construct a new a new personality, a new person with right. accurate information with with uh, within yeah. what well, we call a red pill paradigm within uh, the, a new awareness. Uh, and, and what are you going to build? That's, that's what makes me yeah. really excited about this kind of stuff. It's like, what are you going to build uh, as a person mm-hmm. and as a family and as uh, a community and as a larger whole for and that's, what, that's what dudes do is dudes build things, you know, yes. dudes are about production or about building. So yep. Rollo, you know, man, we're out of time. And again, it seems like <laughs> it it's always like, goes so fast. It goes so it really fast. It really does. And we just right love on. having you here, man. And we'll have you back in a few weeks and we're going to set this thing up so it's real, real regular. And I just I just sure. really want to thank you for being here, man, and appreciate it. Oh, yeah, anytime. It. Same here. Anytime. It's always yeah. fun and it's always yeah. a little bit weird. So we're out of here, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, come back next week. It's Mike and Bob and Rollo this week and next week we'll have another great guest. But thank you so much, everyone. Please allow us to thank you for listening to this show as we are only too aware that your support makes it possible. 